What a great Sunday this is. I've got a few minutes to talk with you today. And today is Pentecost Sunday. It's the one day a year that the color on the table changes. I don't know if you ever noticed this table I'm pointing to right now. Uh, Pastor Deborah will decorate it and there's some intentionality to it. Uh, There's a different color for a different season of the church. So one Sunday out of the year, uh, we have the color red. That lets reminds us that we're celebrating with the whole church around the world, the giving of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. And so today, uh, I'm excited to talk with you about the Holy Spirit, and it falls right in line with a theme we've been talking about. Our sermon series has, has been called CIL Resurrection, as we see the resurrection of power that is among us, is within us as an individual believer, but it's among us as a people. And on Palm Sunday, I gave eight definitive statements. And I said, hey, this is why we are praying for God to continue to grow our church. God's been growing our church for years in many different ways, but we want to see an increase of that. We want to see us reach our kingdom potential for the Lord. And you're part of that. If you've been here a long time, or if you're just checking things out, or if you've come in the last year or two, you're part of our story. You're part of our story, and God is stirring us up so that together as a people, we can be everything he wants us to be. And here's one of the definitive statements that I gave. Uh, Today's message is called A Resurrection of Power, if you need a title. Resurrection of Power. Here's the definitive statement. We are a witness to the world. We are a witness to the world. And I mapped out this sermon series like I do ahead of time. And then typically I write my sermon uh, 10 or 11 days before this Sunday. And then, of course, it, carry it with me until the service. The, service is, the sermon's never done being written until I give it to the 9 a.m. service, that's for sure. Uh, but I trust our team here. We have such a great team of teachers and preachers. And so I don't really check with them anymore. What are you preaching? Just because they're so good, I know it's going to be good. And last week was a great teaching by Pastor Deborah Jackson. But remember, the sermon that I'm giving to you now had already been written. She preached on Acts 1.8, and I'm going to do the same today. So I've got to think, well, this is kind of cool because the Lord is wanting to speak to our church about Acts 1.8. And there's new revelation. It's a new preacher. It's a new Sunday. It's a new sermon. So Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you heard it last week, but you'll hear it again. But you will receive power. And that's what we're going to emphasize today. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, we are so thankful. Now, that power was given in full measure on, in, in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is a, is a feast that had been celebrated by the Jews for for several hundred years, many hundreds of years, a couple of thousand of years, actually. And this holiday, this holy day that, Jesus, that God had established with his people was the day Jesus chose to give the Holy Spirit 
to this church. And really the church was birthed that day. So on Pentecost, we celebrate not only the giving of the Holy Spirit, but the birth of the church, the emergence of the church, the emergence of God moving in the church. And so I I want you to hear this today, is that the Holy Spirit is for you. The Holy Spirit is not for a certain brand of Christian. The Holy Spirit isn't for the elite Christian. If you're a believer, if you believe in Jesus, you have been given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. And with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit comes the power of the Holy Spirit. That is why we can say again, we are a witness to the world. When we have the power of the Holy Spirit, when we have a church service, when we pray before a meal, when we stand up uh, and, and make a moral choice that the world doesn't understand, what we are doing is we're pointing our finger to God and we're a witness to God. And it takes his power to be everything God's called us to be. Here's our mission. If you've not heard this before, I think you have. The reason we exist at CIL is to know his love and to share his love. And the Holy Spirit's all about that. The Holy Spirit, we sense him when we worship. When you have a service like this, and man, what a great worship service we had today. We were in the middle, we're still in the worship service, but the worship music today. Just loved hearing Josh and Faith and Aubrey and these great musicians. I won't name them all, but man, they were just on today. They, I mean, everything was just 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 tight and good and anointed. And it was, it was just amazing worship. It was the content of what we were singing had power behind it. There were, there were words that mean something. And so the power of the Holy Spirit was here and is here. The power of the Holy Spirit is here so we can know his love, so that we can know that God is real and tangible. He's not a concept. He's not an idea. He's not a coping mechanism. He He has a real presence that's among us. And so when you are moved emotionally, it is often the presence of God that's touching your soul. The presence of the Holy Spirit touches our soul. Our soul is deeply defended. We, We defend our soul. It's a part of us that we don't often let anyone get to the very essence of who we are. But God has created our soul to relate to him and the power of the Holy Spirit. We know his love and and it gives us a story. And then when we have a story, we have something to share. We know his love and then we can share his love. You know, have you ever been driving your car up a big hill? We don't have mountains around here. Now, me being from Texas, I call what we have around here mountains. I'm like, wow, uh, th- this, is, this is amazing. Um, what, what is a conference drive? That's like a mountain to me. I'm like, whoa, man, Whee! let's go down conference drive all the way down to Goodlettsville. But th- you get on to East Tennessee, and, and I've mentioned before, when we used to go to Chattanooga all the time, uh, going up Mont Eagle, that is a real mountain. And if you're going up a mountain like that, and, and the car is struggling to get up, you lower the gear, you lower the gear, you get more power. That's what happens. You need, it's the same vehicle, but you just need power. That's what the Holy Spirit brings upon us. When it brings upon our very essence of who we are, the Holy Spirit, when we are aware of him and when he's welcome in our lives, there is 
new power to overcome obstacles in our life. And here's the first thing I want to say about that. Power over sin. And I want you to hear this today. You are not a perpetual, forever victim of sin. God is calling you to overcome sin. I know sometimes it's a process and sometimes uh, the Lord heals us through a process. It's sometimes we are instantaneously delivered from sin and sometimes God chooses a process to get us out of the habits of sin. But either way, I want you to hear this today. The sin you're struggling with is not who you are. It's not part of your identity. It's not part of your future. That you have a future that you will overcome that tendency. You will overcome that poor habit. You will overcome that generational trend. You can change with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's hard just to out-habit your bad habit, to just grin and bear it. Just, just uh, it, It's difficult to change habits. And that's why we have the power of the Holy Spirit that does for us what we can't do for ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit not to be a certain brand of Christian or style of Christian. We need the Holy Spirit because sin is powerful, sin is appealing, and sin is habitual. And the power of the Holy Spirit makes a difference in our struggle against sin. Victory is ours through Jesus Christ our Lord. Victory is the mindset God gives to believers who have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And guys, that's you. Now, I love Titus chapter 2. Let's go to Titus chapter 2. Look at verse, start with verse 11. I'm reading this out of the NIV because, you know, the Lord, I think, just gifts these different versions for different verses. It's so great to look at them in parallel. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared. That's a good thing. That offers salvation to all people. Yes, for the grace of God. But look at 12. It teaches us to say no. Repeat this word after me. No. No, no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the Lord, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love the understanding of grace that we have at this church. And I think you know, if you've sat under my teaching, that I teach grace because grace is the one thing that makes us different than, than all the other religions and cults. We don't earn our way to God. We accept the favor of God. We're not trying to earn our way into salvation. We have salvation as the free gift of God. Aren't we thankful for grace? Yes, we are. But the full study of scripture reminds us that grace is not a license to sin. Grace doesn't give us the freedom to abandon self-control, and to not have any moral restraint. Since we've received grace, we've received this undeserved favor from God, our conduct and morality is progressively improving. Guys, five years from now, we should have more self-control. Ten years from now, we should be more disciplined in our moral life. 
This is not because we're trying to earn our way to heaven. It's because heaven's gotten into us and it's working its way through our conduct and our activity. So whatever you're struggling with, don't accept it as part of who you are. Instead say, by God's grace, I'm so grateful that sin isn't sending me to hell because Jesus covers that sin. But I am also grateful that his grace is teaching me to say no to my worldly desires. No to the impulses I have that might not please God. No to the things that God has called sin. Sometimes the most powerful weapon we have in spiritual warfare is that small little word called no. I mean, we could, I could do a spiritual warfare seminar and there are great things from scripture we can learn. But if we don't learn to say no, then we may be wasting our time with some of the other things in life. Say no. Say no to something that you want to do that God's saying that doesn't please him. Say no. Say no to that sin that appeals to you. Say no when you don't feel like saying no. Because your no will build a momentum in your life. And and guys, this scripture is so powerful. Grace is teaching us to say no. Grace is teaching us to have more self-control. Grace is teaching us to have more discipline. Have you ever had this? I know you've had this feeling because I have it all the time. This feeling before you're about to go somewhere. Maybe it's a trip. Maybe it's a party you're going to. Maybe it's a small group at church. And it's like right about the time to leave for the small group, leave for the party. And there's something in you that just says, I don't think I want to do this. I don't think I want to go. Or you plan the trip and you don't want to. You're just like, I don't know if I want to go, go to this. There's just, I don't know. It's just easier to stay at home. Well, you know, I've, I experienced that. All of you have. You know, why do, we, why do we experience that? We don't want to take the risk. What if I show up and no one's friendly? What if I show up and uh, the, the, my safety friend's not there? That's a new term I've heard. Uh, what, what if I go there and, and I get stuck? I get stuck and I don't have an escape route. So we, we, we have all of these risks. We're like, all of this risk in us. Now, I have found that I'm going to say 99% of the time, not 100%, but 99 is a lot. 99% of the time when I'm on the fence about going somewhere and I go, it works out for me. And I'm glad that I went. Even when it's a disaster, then it makes a great story, right? It makes a great sermon illustration. So we're a people that on the go, God's called us to go. And maybe some of you just needed to hear that today. You just need to show up a little more often at, at places that you need to be. And, and you'll see that God blesses our going and God blesses our speaking. There's a lot of times that, that, that I've had the opportunity to, to share my faith or to introduce someone to Jesus or to invite them to church or to winsomely give a biblical perspective on an issue. And I didn't take the risk to speak. Man, God's teaching us how to speak. But when the Holy Spirit is leading us on how to speak, when we speak, powerful, powerful things happen. Well, what, what, happens, what happens if uh, you speak and, and you get rejected? Well, the Lord will be there with you for that also. 
We want to eliminate all of the risk. Here's the second point that I want to make today. Is that the Holy Spirit gives us power to risk. Power to risk. Some of us are mistakenly creating, trying to create a risk-free life. And boy, that's no way to live. You know who, who tries to reduce risk? Insurance agents. They do. I mean, I love insurance agents, especially those of you who are listening to me, to, to me now. I respect your profession. But, um, and, 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 you know, if I have a second career, a lot of pastors end up in insurance. So I'm just going to, I'm going to be real, real careful how I put this, but we know this is that because I've always been the admin guy at church, I've always been like the business admin guy at church. What, what we do in, in, as business admin people and as, as insurance people, we, we think of all the possibilities, all of the risk that could happen. And boy, sometimes that really does save us from doing dumb things. You know, like I had a youth pastor one time who wanted to do an axe throwing context. And I thought, call the insurance company first, you know, let's do that. And, and guess what they said? You know, they, they said, they gave us some good parameters. They said, get a professional out there. Uh, so, but simply going and speaking, there's a risk involved. Every time you go to a small group, Every time you go to a Bible study, every time you go to a mission trip, every time you go to a bless our neighborhood, every time a teenager goes to the youth service, there is an inherited risk there. The Holy Spirit gives us power, power to do what he commanded us to do. Jesus said, go, and Jesus said, tell. Jesus said, be my witness, and it's not a risk-free endeavor. And it's... That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, how, how many of you in here, this is just a curiosity to me, have ever heard of the Christian band from the 90s? And I actually want hands from them from, for this question. Jars of Clay. Has anyone ever heard of that? Okay. All right. Not bad. Not bad. We got a, for those of you watching online, we got about a 60% response here. All right. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. They were big in the 90s. And, and this is where they got their name. And I love the New Living Translation. Um, such a great, great, readable interpretation of, of this passage. We now have this light shining in our hearts. That's Jesus, by the way. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Isn't that a great it's a true thought, isn't it? We get this great light, but we're this fragile clay jar containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not ourselves. We are pressed on every side by trouble, but we are not crushed. So you think about that, that jar of clay being pressed. And it gives in, but it doesn't break. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down. Usually when you're hunted down, that means you're getting chased, you're on the run, but never abandoned by God. Isn't that great that even when we're on the run, God is with us. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Wow. Guys, we 
This is a symbol. The jar of clay is such a symbol of our lives, but there's a great light we hold. God shines through our brokenness. God shines through the cracks in our lives. And when we feel like we're about to collapse, we're crushed. But we're, we're not, we're, we're, we feel the pressure, but we're not going to be crushed. This, this is God's power within us. And I, I, I want you to hear this. It's a risk sometimes to obey the Lord. But he is with you. He will not abandon you. He will not leave you alone. He he will not ignore what's happening in your life. That's why one of the greatest Christian quotes of the last 200 years is one of my favorites. You've heard me say it a few times before. It was from a guy named William Carey who gave his life to missions. And he said this, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. That's part of our attempting is an expression of our expectations. We have movement and we go and we speak and we take a risk, not because we're trusting in ourselves, but because we're trusting in the great God we serve. Hey, it's time to re-engage again. It's time to get back in the game. No more staying on the sidelines. You've got a jar of clay. You are a jar of clay. You're broken but Jesus is shining through you. Jesus is shining through you to do great things. We need God's power because true spiritual fruit only comes from him. Here's my third point today. Power for spiritual fruit. Power for spiritual fruit. You can only be so fruitful on your own. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it produces incredible fruit in your life that you can say that's only God. Only God could do that. Only God can make that happen. And Peter and John were going to their place of prayer and there was a crippled man and he asked for prayer and he was healed. Crippled and now he could walk again. This was after the Holy Spirit had been given. And this is how people responded. Go to Acts chapter 3. It says, while He was holding on to Peter and John. All the people, utterly astonished. This is Acts 3, verses 11. Ran towards them in what is called Solomon's colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he addressed the people. Now remember, they're holding on to Peter and John. They're putting their hope in these spiritual leaders. He said, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us? as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness. Why are you looking at us? No, now go to verse 16. By faith in his name, that's the name of Jesus, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So that faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. This is what happens when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us. You know, and we have to keep reminding ourselves that, that when, you, when, you make that, when you make that point that is so fitting, that is so good at the meeting and so good at the family gathering and the power of the Holy Spirit's on you. And people say, oh, you're so smart. You're so insightful. You're so wise. No, it's God's power 
in you, on you, that is giving you fitting words for that moment. Hey, when you, when you see someone who needs to be served and you walk across the room and you help someone that everyone else has overlooked, I know that there's a tendency of pride to come over you. Like, what a good guy I am. What a good person I am. Well, you are reflecting the goodness of God. It's his power on you. It's his power in you. It's the Holy Spirit's power on you that makes you fruitful. And I just want to say this. Some of you don't feel like your life has been as fruitful as you want it to be. Seek the Holy Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can do in five months what hasn't happened in five years. The Holy Spirit is looking for a humble woman, a humble man who he can move through. And so let us be like Peter and John and don't let people cling to us, but instead point to him. It's his power. It's his name. It's his authority. It's his story. It's Jesus. It's his way. Jesus, the giver of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit on you will cause you to keep pointing people to Jesus. And that is what the Lord does for you. Years ago, the church was given this real expensive cappuccino machine. It was either a cappuccino machine or a latte machine. Are those different machines or the same? Okay, so they're the same. So it was a cappuccino and latte machine. And man, we were excited about it. We were excited. Uh, Someone associated with our church closed a coffee shop, gave us a really, really expensive machine. We bragged about it. We, we told people that we have this cappuccino machine and we're going to use it for our young adult ministry, for the youth ministry, maybe on Sunday morning coffee. We just, hey, we, we have this machine. It's so awesome. I'm sad to tell you, no one ever hooked it up to a water line or plugged it in. I haven't seen that donor at the church in a few years, so that's why I can tell the story now. So um, I always felt bad about that. Again, I'm getting to that area. I've got to tell stories about you guys now. I've been here so long. We still have that machine and it's still valuable, but it's given us no use because we never plugged it into the power. You can have all of the training, the spiritual pedigree, the understanding, but without the Holy Spirit's power, without the Holy Spirit's power, you're not operating and functioning like God wants you to. And there's the last point today. It's power at work. And what's power at work is God's power. God's power flowing through you. God's power taking your talents and, and your story and your education and your field and your perspective and your unique personality and your sense of humor and your ability to relate to people. Or maybe you're a shy person. I want to tell you, if you're a shy person, you're so valuable because shy people have deep rivers that we need. Just because you're not called to be the party person doesn't make you any less significant. You have an equally valuable gift to the world. You see things the rest of us don't see who talk too much. So the Holy Spirit takes your shyness and he, he takes your, your training and he takes your family history, though it may be broken, and he sends his power upon that gift and it's a gift to the world. Here's what Ephesians chapter three, 
Verse 20 says, now to him who is able to do above and beyond all we can ask or think. Now, a lot of times we, we, we are drawn to this verse. We're like, yeah, he can do beyond what we ask or think. That's, that's a great helpful phrase. According, now look at this, to the power that works in us. It's the Holy Spirit in us. That's how he does immeasurably more than we can ask or think. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. That's what our God does. Hey, the Holy Spirit's power is for every single person. And you know what? I see this. I see the Holy Spirit moving on people in unique ways. In fact, we know this according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that he gives different gifts to different people for different reasons. And he is gifting us with his power, power to overcome sin, power to take a risk, power to allow his work in us and through us. So on this Pentecost Sunday, I want you to hear this proclamation about the Holy Spirit so that he is not someone distant. You know that he's already within you and he's part of who you are.